You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. We are pleased that you have chosen to spend another 30 minutes with us as we continue to move through the biblical narrative. And joining you, as always, is me, Gandalf, of course, Matt, but yep. sadly, no Nathan Van Horn. He is not with us today. It's um, it's just the two of us. And It's one of those episodes. I, I, yeah, I just realized that I set Nathan up to sing just the two of us and right, he wasn't too. even here like i just he, did it reflexively he he wasn't even here you know one of the things that uh when you become a christian whether you realize it or not you are now being a- adopted into this family that has its own like secret handshakes and lingo mm-hmm. things That's that so we true. say like for instance so when somebody can't be somewhere because of a reason we say the appropriate christian things to say thing to say is well he or she was providentially hindered. Like, that's the, that's the that's the go-to phrase. That's that's how you say, "Hey, I can't make it today. I'm providentially hindered." You know, it's funny you talk about that, Matt. Talk about like the secret handshakes of being a a Christian. You know, um, man, if you have not experienced this, Matt, then I pity you. One of the greatest joys in life you can have is trying to explain Veggie Tales to an adult convert. Oh yeah. And they think you're crazy. Like, like if you just start, what? like if you're in a if you're in a group of friends and someone starts singing Barbara Manatee and you have that oh. one adult convert, they think you're crazy. But yeah. yeah, that's that's very funny to me. But but you know, I do I do enjoy these uh, you and me episodes. Um, yeah, they have, they have their own place. We certainly will miss uh, Van Horn nothing, today. Nothing is stopping us from from discussing controversial topics or going off the rails. At this point, we are we are completely unfettered. Yeah, that's right. So it's a who knows what could happen. We actually are going to move forward in the story today. We're going okay. to be in Genesis 27, and we're going to be talking about Isaac and his family uh, once again. But hey, uh, fireworks and and lights and all that stuff, sound effects. Uh, we have just officially moved into Genesis 27. We are we are through Genesis 26. So it's. It's a big deal on the Better Than Fiction Bible podcast anytime we get through a chapter. So we're in chapter 27, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 4. So as this story continues, uh, Gandalf, well, why don't you read verses 1 through 4 for us? I will read, but I will also point out that I've read like the last three times. Oh, I'll do it again. Okay. Well, no, I, I can if you want me to. <laughs> it's a, well, it's I, need, to I, need to str- I need to strategically place myself where I don't have to read something hard later oh okay why don't you why don't you read for us today matt okay all right i can do that so as always from the esv this is uh, genesis chapter 27 verses 1 through 4 it says when isaac was old and his eyes were dim so he could not see he called esau his older son and said to him my son and he answered here i am he said 
Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And prepare for me delicious food, such as I love. <laughs> oh boy, there's going to be... And we'll have things we'll want to talk about. <laughs> Here it is. And bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Okay. The first yep. four verses were out of the gate of Genesis 27. And I don't know about you, but <laughs> I certainly spotted several things that we want to talk about. So just... Before I get into some things that I want to talk about with the way the language works and some things that we're going to miss on a casual passing over of just breezing through while reading it on a daily Bible read or something like that, Gandalf, how does this story hit you as it relates to where we left off in the end of chapter 26? Like, what's the very last thing we just heard? The last thing 26? we heard was that Esau and one of his wives uh, were making life bitter for Isaac and Rebecca. Oh, yeah, two of his wives. Two of his yeah. wives. That's right. I forgot. Um, channeling some Lamech there. That's yeah, right. he's that's right. He, he, he's making life bitter. But yeah, like mm. things are things are not well on the family farm, and Esau is the source of the trouble. And as Nathan pointed out last time when we recorded together the names of the women in this text indicate that these these were these were not godly picks that every you know uh uh god-fearing mom and dad wants for their child like these were clearly women he should have never married in the first place they they were they were pagans mm -hmm. they were they were involved obviously in the worship of other gods and false worship their names mean their names are associated with perfume, harlotry, um, worship at the high places, like all kinds of thing. But nonetheless, here we come in chapter 27. Apparently, as bitter as life was made for Isaac and Rebecca, it was not about to stop Isaac from blessing Esau with the blessing of promise. Now, mm. what else makes this astonishing? Because do you remember back earlier in the story, this would be Genesis 25, what God said before the boys were even born? Like what God, when, you know, when Rebecca was carrying twins, he it was said the older, 25, 23. Yeah. He said, he said the uh, older would serve the younger. Yes. So from before the birth of these two children, God has already told Isaac and Rebecca, listen, I am going with the younger son. But what do we see in this story? What is getting in the way, so to speak, of God's plan? What is preventing this? Now, there is the whole uh, idea of primogenitor, that the oldest child gets the double inheritance. Um, but, there, but you know what, Matt, that that's, I mean, obviously that's going to be the custom in that time, but from 
Isaac's own life. That's not how things go down. Exactly. Isaac is the younger son of Abraham. This is no this is not strange to him at all. Yes. So that is such a and so what Gandalf has just said there, this is such a key point, listener. Remember, Abraham's oldest son is Ishmael. And Ishmael did not receive the blessing Isaac did. Yes, Ishmael was blessed, but he didn't receive the the blessing of promise because again that was not God's plan. So even in the he, story he got a already, blessing. he didn't yeah, get he the got, blessing. That right. He he did not get the blessing. So if it's not primogenitor here, here would be a question. What does the text seem to suggest is getting in the way of what God has said is supposed to happen? There's a key phrase, and we've mm. already talked about this problem for Isaac already. He loves that red meat he loves that new york prime <laughs> that's right so look at verse number four and prepare for me delicious food such as i love like oh my goodness and if, if you'll remember like going back to genesis um 25 like when we hear about the boys when they were younger in 25 27 when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebecca loved Jacob. Like when that got to read... be some meat. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's got to be some real good top shelf stuff. So, okay, like we are all. The people in the story, you and me, Nathan, all of us, we are all sensual creatures. We experience life through the five senses, you know, and experiencing and appreciating and enjoying life through the five senses is not wrong. No. Like God, God's the one who gives us the senses. The whole, the whole concept of beauty is predicated on sensuality. Beauty, as you're saying, is predicated on the senses. Uh, for instance, we talked about Eden itself. It contains this idea of pleasure. Like that, that that's what paradise is. It, it, is the, it is the fulfillment of the senses that being um, fulfilled to the max with all of our senses at once. That's what we were we were made for. So being sensual is not necessarily a bad thing because you're just experiencing life through your senses. Mm -hmm. However, when sensual desire gets out of balance, meaning that your sensual desire for whatever sense it is begins to drive the direction of your life more so than the word of God in your life or other priorities as well. It is out of balance sensual desire that we see over and over again bring disaster into the story. I mean, just the statement, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. That is such a crazy statement when you really think about it. 
Like that's like you. So like for <laughs> the instance, love of have your you ever, son is because of his meat that he brings you. So what's interesting how this connects, it's interesting you say it that way, is we would say something like that as, hey, that's really shallow. That is a very shallow love if you love somebody because of a meal that they make. Now, is it okay to love somebody for a meal that they make? Well, yes, in one sense. But if that is the driving purpose for which you love them, that reason is very, very shallow. Mm-hmm. And- Especially if it is causing you to, one, forget what God said about the young, the older serving the younger. And then also, I'm just speculating. I don't have any proof of this, but I wonder if Isaac's unwillingness to deal with the fact that Esau's wives are making life bitter and there's some family strife, I wonder how much of that is based on the fact that he favors Esau because of the game. And there it is. <laughs> so the reason, yeah, yeah, because hey, who who's the patriarch in this story? It's Isaac. It is definitely Isaac. So why is Isaac not doing something about Esau? Yeah, I mean, think about there was strife between Lot's men and Abraham's men. Abraham dealt right. with it. Abraham dealt with it. Oh yeah, man. Oh, that is. I have not thought about that. How Abraham he, navigated he, the strife. And even denied himself something for peace. Oh, man. So he denied himself. And we're, we're thinking here, Abraham and Lot separate. That's Genesis 13. But that, that's an interesting point that you bring up. That Abraham denied himself the choice of the land in order to make peace in the family. Where Isaac here is overlooking the strife presumably because he cannot deny himself his love of this red meat is that a fair like assess you think that's a fair assessment yeah i mean again i don't know that for a fact but certainly there was strife at home right well and let me I, give you i mean th- th- this man thinks that he might die at any second and he's thinking about i got to have some of that meat so let let me add to your case Okay, if you back up in the story and it says when Esau was 40 years old, this is Genesis 26, 34. It's the end of 26. And let me just read to you as it flows into 27. When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Biri, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemoth, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. When Isaac was old, his eyes were dim so he could not see. And he called Esau, his younger son, and said to him, my son, he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. Now take your weapons and your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat. So here's what's interesting. As it flows from Isaac and Rebekah are trying to navigate this bitter situation with Esau and his wives, The first thing we're told in chapter 27 is that Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see. Now, this is actually interesting that this statement is placed here, and I think it plays into what we're getting at today, is that when we talk about going back to the shallow love, loving your son because you love to eat of his game, we would say that's 
that's an impairment of judgment. Mm-hmm. That that's very poor judgment. And it turns out that this phrase, eyes were dim, can be used in multiple ways, and sometimes it can mean more than one thing. So, for instance, famously, there is someone famously in the Bible, and we often talk about how the Genesis story relates to the Exodus story, but there's somebody famous in the Bible that was said before he died, his eyes were not dim. Do you remember who that was? That's Moses. That's Moses. That's Deuteronomy 34, verse 7, that Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. Now, it's interesting. Kenneth Matthews points out that this phrase, the dimming of the eyes, can express not just the physical diminishment of sight, but it also can be used to speak about emotional impairment or the impairment of judgment. For instance, it's the same word and turn of phrase that is used to describe Eli in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 2. Incidentally, Gandalf, it is Eli that has the same deficiency as Isaac. Eli is overweight and food has a, a uh, his love for food has a out of sync um, place in his life, which leads to the impairment of judgment. At least mm. the, we don't have time to go there, but it does. So it seems to be that eyesight can refer this turn of phrase of eyes were dim so that he could not see doesn't necessarily just refer to physical sight because we know it does because in the next part of this story, Jacob is able to deceive his father because his father really can't see, but that also it's used to describe someone who has a diminished sense of judgment as well. So is this the text saying, like, the whole reason that this caper succeeds, it's not just the eyesight. That's the it's, issue here. Right. I think I think it's, and this is just, this is how beautiful the Bible is, that phrases are used in such a way that it's written so poetically that it's talking about a physical diminishment of sight, but also a diminishment of judgment. Like, part of us are going... Isaac, what are you doing here? Like, you already know what God said. And not only that, have you not been paying attention to Esau? Like, this is a disaster. Like, what are you thinking? And then stacking on top of that, this whole, like, the only reason he's doing this is because of his love of red meat. Like, you as the reader are looking at this, and you're watching this this slow motion thing happen, and you're thinking, wow, don't do this. This is This is not what you want to do. This is these are bad decisions and bad choices. And I think it plays into this phrase that the Bible is leading to say us to say, hey, listen, it's not just his eyes that can't see, it's his judgment. Did you ever watch that terrible alien prequel, Prometheus, Matt? I, if, I, if I did, it's not ringing a bell. I'd pay, okay. I don't, yeah, I don't remember it. Okay, there's a scene where the crash landed on the planet, right? And the alien ship which is like spherical in shape. It looks like a, it looks like a wheel. Uh-huh. It starts to roll and the characters are like running away from it. Mm-hmm. And rather than just step one to one side or the other, they run in a straight line in the direction that the, that the wreckage is rolling. And the whole time you're meant to be screaming, just 
what are you doing? Just step two steps Just, to the left. Oh, uh, okay. It's, and that's, it's, that's, that's the frustration you might feel. It's like, what are you doing? So it's so obvious to you as the viewer, as the movie mm-hmm. watcher, like what needs to be done yet. Don't doing go the into exact... that creepy house. Don't right. split up. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. So we're sitting here watching this disaster in slow motion. And, you know, when I was thinking about just unchecked sensual desire, uh, it made me actually think of another movie. One of my uh, favorite movies that, or movie series over the past few decades is The Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, oh, yeah. The very first more, the one, the very first one, The Curse of the Black Pearl, where Captain Jack and Elizabeth, the the daughter of the governor get marooned on the island and it looks like they're going to be stuck there for a long time. And it just so happens there's a huge supply of rum there. I, and uh, while Jack gets drunk and falls asleep, Elizabeth gets all the rum, makes a big bonfire and sends a big smoke signal up in the sky. And the very next morning when Jack wakes up from his stupor, he, he cannot believe that she has destroyed all the rum. And she is like, no, you don't understand. It's sending a smoke signal for all to see. But he's still hung up on, I cannot believe you're actually destroying the rum. <laughs> all he cares about is where the rum is. <laughs> that, that's why would you do this to the rum? And I feel like this is a little bit where we are with Isaac, is that his rum is this red meat. And it is so out of sync. And so um, it is. his life is so imbalanced by this uh diminishment of judgment that seems to be described by this turn of phrase his eyes were dimmed is that it, you're watching this in slow motion thinking wow god's plan is about to be thrown off but of course we know that's not going to happen but still nonetheless in this moment it looks like that isaac's love for red meat is so dramatic that he is willing to go contrary to the word of God um, simply because he loves his game. Yeah. I mean, to, to not only forget about what God told him, how it was going to go down, but I mean, to also turn a blind eye to the family strife that's been going on. So um, I think, yeah, like putting it into, put, put it, give us some application, Gandalf, like, you're reading this story here in 2023. Like, how does this speak to your own life? Uh, you know, as 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 an individual today, as your life is connected to other people. Like, what what would be application from this story? I mean, I know I've been Isaac many a time. I I know that, despite the promises of God, I know I've gone for the the red meat, so to speak, when I knew that that's not what was best. Like, I knew that that was not going to be the thing that ultimately happens, but you still go for it. Um, oh, man, this is so off topic. But um, I, when I was a student pastor back in uh, South Carolina, I had a student who just came to me with this epiphany of wisdom. And he said, you know, sin is just like Chinese food. It's so good in the moment. And then a few oh. hours later, it comes back to bite you. It, co- it comes back to bite you. Yeah, and so, and and again, I want to go back to the how we open this. Fulfilling your senses is not inherently bad. No. 
It's just when fulfilling your senses becomes your ultimate good that everything else gets out of check. This is not the first time we've seen this either. Absolutely. This goes all the way back. Uh, as, to, they, as it always does, right? To In the beginning, we saw somebody make a bad choice because something seemed good to their senses. I'm thinking about Let's Eve just, and the fruit. That's right. Let's be specific. Food prepared for food. Me. Yeah. If when it was an apple, it was red. Prepare for me. Delicious food. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's interesting uh, how that stuff uh, connects. In fact, let me see here. Is this word delicious used again in Genesis somewhere? All right. Uh, no, it looks like here is its first usage here in in Genesis 27. But I was thinking about the whole idea of her looking at the fruit and it was a delight to the eyes. There's another oh. sensual thing that, that it's a good thing, but it's a good thing pursued and desired apart from the best thing, which is just like that first story. Um, obeying and doing the word of God. Yeah. There's nothing um, there's nothing wrong with food looking good. That I mean it's it's explicitly made to look good so that you know that it's good to eat. But mm. when you do it, when you've been told don't do it, I have all this other great stuff for you, just this one thing. But of course that's not how that's not how we do things. Yeah. Well the good news is is this story progresses and we'll talk about this in future weeks. Alright. This this story this story is not the last word on Isaac. This becomes a wake-up call in Isaac's life. Hmm. And this he does not don't mistake the moment for the man here. Because this speaks so poorly of Isaac right here in the moment. Um, but this is not the last word we'll hear about this man. That's right. But it is for the moment, it's like, man, this is not how you make good choices. <laughs> hmm. Well, listener, you know what is a good choice? Subscribing to the Better Than Fiction Bible podcast. Matt, you said this was a wake-up call for Isaac. Well, you know what another word for a wake-up call is? A notification, which is what you're going to get every Tuesday morning. <laughs> so true. If you would well only played. subscribe to the Better Than Fiction Bible podcast, we're going to hit you every Tuesday morning, another 30 minutes of discussing the narrative, whether that be me, Matt, Matt, Nathan, me by myself, whoever, one of, one of us is going to be there. So listener, please do that and you will bless yourself. You will bless us by helping spread the podcast even farther. If you would like to leave us a message, please visit our website, betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. And until then, uh, you have a great week. All right. See you next time. And for Nathan, Shalom. Indeed. <laughs>